Welcome to another episode of the TLDR podcast today. Uh, Luke and I delve into a little bit about conspiracy theories, a bit of a review on um, what we took away from our catch up with Tay last week and touch on um, a bit of BJJ, some crypto stuff. Looking forward to our guests next week. So tune in. Um, enjoy. Hey, mate. Happy Monday. How you doing? Doing well. How are you going? Yeah, buzzing. Actually buzzing at the moment. How a, good. Absolutely. What is fire? Um, had a pretty massive week last week at work. Just talking through um, some new systems and a new play or that we're going to be delivering clients and utilizing a lot of our current methods to reach more people and have more, more of a long-term agenda. Our agenda has always been long-term, but just have a little bit more upfront um, play with that uh, and getting the team on board. And then I was already in at one of the clubs this morning, got new coaches coming in. There's pretty quality um, caught up with some mates, you know, some old work mates, Yesterday, just saw what is one saw him absolutely kill it at some CrossFit comp. Just the energy around at the moment is pretty cool. And then getting on a plane, big jet plane, and heading home tomorrow. So pretty pumped for that, to be honest. How good! I know, man. I'm itching. SA's home now. That's a big call, or is it just ah, like uh, just wherever wherever Zoe is? To be honest, that sounds cliche, but oh, that's um, so cute. if she was here, I wouldn't be itching to get home. Put it that way. So. How long has Zoe been here for then? Two weeks. Yeah, right. Uh, two weeks yesterday. Yeah. So, um, yeah, back in the groove and in the swing of things at home. Um, okay, man. Yeah. I'm well, getting back. Yeah. yeah, it'd be good to be back. Hey, What about you? How's your week been? Good. Yeah. Big turnout for testing over the weekend, which is six. So I started the 16-week S&C program. Yeah, sick. Had 30. Uh, 36 total athletes, which is sick. 30 yeah. come out to the testing day, which was really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, into it today. The uh, the boys have got some strength and some conditioning stuff to do over the next couple of days. So it's going to be good. Keen to get some data points from them. See, then, what sort um, of testing stuff did you do? We just did strength testing. So we just did like five at max, either trap bar or straight bar, deadlift, bench press, street press, um, box squat at a 20-inch box. Yeah. And it's just like really easy to test metrics that gain some like pretty valuable data, I think, of just like general strength. Yeah, big time. Um, which is going to be a, a big one to test again in three or four months before round one. And I think it's 13 weeks in round one. So in 12 weeks time, we'll test again and just see where they're at. Yep. And then we'll have basically four weeks of in-season programming yeah, where cool. it'll just be like a reduced volume, still really good intensity, but just like maybe 60% of the volume essentially so i feel like that's the that's where most amateur sport goes wrong is that there's not a lot of the strengthening side of things and generally if you're strong it's going to prevent a lot of those injuries if you're strong in the right areas mm. like if you're going in and just doing bench press twice a week and like you know doing some curls and then going for like two runs a week it's like you're not actually preparing that well for the chaoticness of sport especially footy yeah and um, there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of chaos. Like you don't know which direction you're going to be moving in. It's not very linear. It's like getting tackled and tackling and getting hit in the air and, and bumped and rolled over and all kinds of stuff. So strong bodies are going to be generally more rigid, I guess, or like they're yeah. going to be preventing injuries more. Yeah, for sure. 
So it's like just a decent metric. And then from here, we go into like lots of unilateral stuff, single leg, single arm, lots of midline, lots of injury prevention in terms of like soft tissue stuff, like in hamstrings and hip flexes and, and groins and whatnot. So um, yeah, hopefully the boys see some really good results. And, uh, and my role is not so much to program them like very specific strength stuff. It's more so to educate them around the benefits of doing stuff that isn't super, super flashy, yeah. like doing lots of Copenhagen's and isometric holds and mm-hmm. hip flexor holds and, um, you know, all kinds of stuff like lateral movements that isn't like necessarily shifting heaps of tin, but yeah, that's what's going to make you better. Like that, it, those extra like one percenters essentially. So you're going to train plus, like um, deceleration and that sort of stuff in that regard then like the yeah, movement so patterns. The benefit of 33 of these people is that I can move them through that kind of stuff. They're in team training. Yeah. Um, so they're part of like, you know, part of footy teams that I, I do their S&C stuff in season as well. Sorry, in team training as well and in season. Yeah. So this is just all the outside stuff that they're doing outside of team training. So I've got like the full spectrum now, which is sick. So I can basically just like program for them to do their stuff outside of footy training and then yeah. do all their Axel D-cell stuff and change the direction, agility and speed work in team training um, and not have to like stuff around basically and, you know, do half an hour of conditioning at the start of every 90 minute session yeah um two times a week so it's like the full grasp now which is sick so it's exactly where i want to be with these guys and yeah it's good really good turnout unreal man that sounds really exciting so so you that was saturday sunday yep saturday sunday and now they're into yeah 16 weeks we'll retest again as Mm. i said before round one and i i outside of team training i won't really see them they'll just be doing their own stuff which is cool yeah yeah cool how's the training going been running uh well i had look flat out it's a no um <laughs> i had that assessment on yeah. uh thursday um yeah, for those cool. who don't know i had an assessment by a physiotherapist who's going through my running mechanics um also going through some assessments when it comes to my hips uh, and adductors and it's funny you mentioned copenhagen's because that's one thing that i'm avoiding at the moment I need to make sure that i can strengthen before i get back into those um but that was really ah. cool because like cadence was too slow um, and that was at a, I was at a pace that's probably just slower than what I need to be for record for my target pace for my half marathon. So I think my goals initially, I'm not sure if you personally watched the video, but, um, just to slow down, slow down the pace a little bit, but increase my cadence. So cadence being how many times I touch the ground per minute. Uh, so that needs to be above 170 and I was 164 seems fraction seems small, but, um, What's that? An extra step every 10 seconds. So it does actually, you know, extra six steps. So the goal is to get above 175, I think, eventually uh, for the cadence. And it's quite uh, noticeable how much that changes your, uh, the impact, like obviously your impact in the ground because you don't have to produce as much ground force, ground reaction force per strike to travel a further distance, I guess. You're, you're traveling a shorter distance. So it's quite an interesting drill. And I, and I definitely probably want to get on some treadmills um for that purpose of like cool let me train at different speeds and get that immediate feedback of the speed from the treadmill to get my body used to it uh and mark the physio actually said that um it'll take eight runs to have it ingrained so if you run four times a week you should be having should be good in two weeks Uh, so that was the first thing he really spoke on which is that that cadence uh just to increase the cadence but also then for those that know me at all i have a massive anterior pelvic tilt um, and just that's something I've 
been built or it's been taking over, ingrained in me, I guess, since starting to play hockey from half my life ago, more than half my life ago, um, because obviously that short hamstring length is constantly in that squat position, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, so it's just focusing on that, you know, trying to get a little bit of posterior will be the second thing. Um, and then I'll probably run with my, not like for those, no, no one's watching, but um, I've got my elbows out in line with my shoulders. Um, I'll probably run my arms too wide, just fractionally too wide, so trying to get them in and I know about, you know, the crossing the midline with the arms, you want to keep them either side of that. But I think I'm just a little bit too wide. I'd like to think it's because my traps and my lats are so big, but it's Jack. I'm just, yeah, I'm just too big, but um, <laughs> it's definitely not that. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was cool to get that feedback. Um, I then actually went out and had my first evening with a few more beers than I would have normally had uh, on a Friday <laughs> evening. I know, shock horror. Uh, so even by Sunday morning, I wasn't feeling up for a run. Um, so I haven't actually ran yet. Uh, I think definitely when I get back into Adelaide, it's been a bit of a crazy time over here with, uh, rolling out some stuff at work. Um, not that that's an excuse. That's, I definitely could have got some runs in. I just have chosen not to. So I know my first run is in May. I've got four months. So I'm kind of aiming on about a 16 week training block for that. And the goal for that run will be sub two hours. So. Oh, that's a halfer. Yeah, yep. Straight first, in. First ones. Yeah, I'm going three halves. So the first one, I want, I want to do three this year and I want the last one to be at that pace. So the first one is like, cool, I just want to come away with no pain, um, run sub two hours, which I think I should be able to do, um, but just focus on that cadence, focus on how I feel afterwards, recovery, making sure I'm getting the right um, hydration and that sort of stuff. So be a bit more strategic with how I, how I take it. Yeah, cool. So the difference between 164 and... And then you want to get a 175 or above, you said. What's the ideal? Do you know that yet? Or yeah, between, I think between 175, uh, 170, 180. Yep. I don't want to get above one, 175, kind of around 175. So um, Mark was like, increase it by 5%. So I think that is from 160 to one, 164. He was like, let's try it, 172. So I'm running at 172. So if I can manage that. Obviously, it sounds, you know, fractional numbers and small changes, but um, I definitely noticed even like vertical oscillation changed. So how much I'm moving up and down. Mm. Um, I'd rather be moving, putting that energy into moving forwards. So um, sure. yeah, really yeah, cool. Right. It was a really cool experience. Um, it's funny because, you know, being in the, in the health and fitness, it's like, oh, I feel like I could record my gait, record my run and from, you know, the front, the, the side and the back, which is what he did. But then just the assessment, I was just like, oh, I'd be, I'd be lost. I got no idea kind of what I'm looking at. I definitely strike out with a straight leg on my right leg. So almost my my heel strike is like a locked out knee. Should mm. be like an angle at the knee, an angle at the ankle, um, making sure it's a little bit more forgiving. So I'm getting a bit more of that jolt up into my hip. What did he so, say about the heel strike? I've heard mixed. I'm a heel striker as well. I just found it to be so much more energy efficient. Oh, I think for, for, for the majority, he didn't say anything specific about changing from heel strike to toe. Um, I'm not a, I'd have to really change all my mechanics to run off my run on my toes. Um, not that I couldn't, but it's just a longer process. I think I definitely striking too much at the back of my heel. So just by bending that knee in my heel strike and obviously quickening the cadence that should bring that heel a little bit closer to my midline. Um, and therefore it's like, instead of being right at the back, it's probably more a little bit in the middle of the heel. Yeah, right. And then that's striking basically directly under your head, I saw. 
Should be, yeah, is what he's trying to get that. So instead of striking out in front, and that's a deceleration force anyway. So like right. cool, you can be a little bit more efficient and economical, which funnily enough, when I did run slower on the Sunday last or a week and a day ago, uh, the first 10Ks I ran at about 5.40, so quite slow, um, which would I think get me under two hours anyway for, for the half. I felt fine. My energy was fine. I felt I was running very efficiently. Uh, the last three Ks, I just put the foot down a little bit just because I'm a... I'm addicted to speed. Um, <laughs> just get bored. <laughs> Wanted to get home quicker. Um, the, uh, the pace, not the drug. Yeah, I'm, sure. I'm uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think that just proves the point of like, cool, if I can slow down, I'll be able to actually get, you know, just actually get out and do the time. So it's like time on attention. It's like cool, train the body for the longer period of time. So no, nah, it was very a very insightful experience um, and I'm pretty uh intrigued to see how it goes over the you know the two weeks when i get home and actually get into to doing that all of that sort of stuff yeah put it into practice yeah That's what about you having a uh, a, oh, curve, a curved treadmill at home is oh, you've it, got um, one yeah i can just like jump on there and change cadence and all that stuff and yeah it's awesome oh. so i might even bring it to the gym so you could use it out there if you want oh yeah it's got to find a little space for it but yeah that's the benefit of that i just found like trial and error for me is like with my running, for example, I know that I'm pretty rigid in my upper body. So mm-hmm. I try and relax my upper body as much as I can. My arms still out to the side a little bit more yeah. than I would want. Plus yeah. my getting back into running distance as well. I've really slowed my cadence down. I got to pick that back up, as you say, and just be a little bit more cyclical with my legs, I think. And that's just going to take the stress off the knees and, um, and the hips, especially. Like I just feel like I was just getting smashed through my knees when I was running, even just building up to like five, six, seven, eight Ks. Yeah, and now um yeah up around the nines and the tens and knowing that my goal is just like sheer volume of like a 50k or i have to just slow down like i'm not looking to run any crazy pace so went for my first like niner i think in like a year or something or maybe a little bit less nine k's yeah. and um yeah man i was just cruising it was like low fives um low five minute k's and yeah i just got into that flow state for the first time i hadn't i hadn't logged a run on Strava for seven months or something. Mm. And uh and this was just like the first run that I got into that just felt like a flow state after the first couple of Ks, after the first maybe three. So the last like six, I was just cruising on a high. I was just like cruising. Felt really, really good. That's and sick. hopefully I can just maintain that cadence and that kind of pacing and then just slowly over time build it up. As you say, like five percent a week or something, um, all the way up to a 50. My problem is well, what I live weeks? in a pretty hilly place yeah so i can i can get heel efforts in but i just avoid them yeah <laughs> okay i think for now it's just like getting k's in and and for me it's not the fitness it doesn't feel like my lungs it's just my legs are getting so tired and my feet and my calves and my quads and everything it's just like getting smashed but definitely what has helped is having a proper warm-up like i'm doing like i'm treating myself as an athlete yeah the stuff that i would give the guys as in the SNC guys for warm-ups and stuff, I'm actually putting myself through those things and going through some drills to mobilize and to fire up and activate. And, and I feel so much better for it. Whereas before, yeah. even running up to like 30Ks, I would just start and I would just start slow and then just build as I go and almost treat that as a bit of a warm-up. But now um, I'm actually going through some stuff, like going through some hopping drills and going through some single leg stuff and some glute mm. activation and some moves. And I feel so much better for it from the go rather yeah. than like having to grind through the first two Ks to warm up and then I'm feeling all right. 
And uh, yeah, just so much better. Taking your training seriously like that is such a big game changer for me. Yeah. Actually treating yourself like the athlete, you know, rather than just, oh, you know, like I'm not the, I'm not an athlete, so I can just kind of get away with just doing stuff subpar, but you want to do stuff as the best of your ability. And, you know, you and I have both got the knowledge to be able to do that stuff. So why wouldn't we just give ourselves the best quality standard, mm. um, you know, to, to start ourselves off. So I'm sure that you're the same. Well, you know, I, I definitely implemented a lot more cooling down and that sort of stuff. You know, I'll spend 10 minutes afterwards making sure I do some some stretching and that sort of thing. I do need to work on my warm-up, um, but I've got you in my corner, so I'm going to get you to give me a warm-up and I'll uh, follow that pre-run. But I did just bring up my, um, not that um, I brought up my cadence from that long-distance run. It's quite um, curious to see that my cadence was actually 166 for the, the average of the run. So it's quite funny when you try and replicate something on a treadmill and, and I'm kind of like, oh, surely, like, is this how I run? Um, but I was even mm. running slower. So I was running faster on that treadmill and running slower, um, as you can see, like pace, you know, mid fives, high, you know, mid to high fives, kind of trying to keep it just sub six. But my cadence the whole time is, you know, 164 to 166 the whole time. And then as I actually speed up for the last three days, my cadence fractionally increases. Yeah. I get up to 170s, 170s. and that sort of stuff. So I'm curious to see how that actually plays. And it's, you know, fractional data here. But, um, yeah, it's kind of cool to just witness that sort of, you know, I'm, I'm trying to replicate exactly how it should look on a treadmill or how I think it feels. And then, you know, you, you go back to some some old school data and it's like, oh, cool, I nailed it. Or oh, that's exactly what I'm doing. So hence the problem. Um, it was really good to be able to correlate that. Yeah, it looked like your speed just increased with your cadence without actually... Did you feel like you had to try any harder? Yeah, I definitely pushed. Like, I definitely... I was striding out. Right. I, was, I was consciously going, cool, let's try and have three negative splits. That's all I was trying for those last three Ks. Um, so, first 10 Ks was like, I want to be as close to six minutes without being six minutes. So, it's like, you know, if I'm between 440, uh, 545 and 555, spot on, which I'm pretty sure after 10 Ks, I was what, 58 minutes. So that's just sub six minutes. That's pretty spot on. Um, yeah. So then, I, you know, and then the next three Ks took me all of 13 minutes. So what are you listening to when you're running? Normally a podcast or actually that for that run, country music, to be honest. Yeah. Love me some country music. And it just allows me to not, like if I listen to anything EDM or um, faster paced, it does mess, probably mess with my stride a little bit. Yeah, so I listen 100%. to country music, I'm just actually not thinking about running, which, yeah. you know, now I'll need to be thinking about running, but um, I can actually just get into a group. Tractors and open plains and... You get it. I knew it. You love country some, as well. Chewing on some wheat or whatever. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I think about. <laughs> um, I've never been yeah. to the country music, to be honest, man. That's okay. You'll learn. You're still young. <laughs> I think I got into it. I actually um, caught up with a mate recently, the one who actually got me onto country music. I would have been... 26 so a few years ago now um and he actually had never never really understood it and then i went over his house before we went out for a night out and um in country music playing i'm like mate we're we're having pre-drinks he's got you're blasting country he's like what the hell (laughs) and he just like frothed it um absolutely frothed and he's like yeah when we're you know he he went to um two unis or two colleges in the states to do some internships be good to actually pick his brain about some stuff but um they were that that was all they listened to like in missouri just like country music before they went out and he's like it's just a vibe it's just the best and ever since then i'm on that trajectory i love it 
Do you remember what you were listening to? I wouldn't be able to tell you specifically. First... Oh, yeah. it's a playlist, some random playlist. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't Luke Bryan, Luke Combs. Um, yeah. No, couldn't tell you every single artist or every single song. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll share with you a playlist. We might link some playlists in the show notes some just to really get the playlist. team to dabble in some country, just to, you know, yeah. get an understanding about uh, who we are as people, who I am as a person when I run. That certainly <laughs> doesn't describe my music taste, but I'm open-minded. I'll, uh, I'm happy to try whatever. Oh, look, I love me some J. Cole, and I know you love yourself nice. some J. Cole. So um, had to have seen him live. Big, big rap R&B yeah, fan over here. Um, but, yeah, there's something about country music when I run. Don't judge me. Or podcasts, What have you obviously. seen live? That's sick. Uh, he came and did a show over here uh, at a place called Challenge Stadium, which had, like, 3,000 people. Tickets sold out like that. Wow. Yeah. Man, I'm so jealous. Yeah. That would have been sick. When was that? Uh, Mid-uni, so 2014-ish, maybe 2013. Right. Uh, I was trying to think what I'm albums guessing. would have been out by then. Uh, it was... Um, What's it called? Forest Hills Drive? Yeah, that's that a good album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. probably one of, his, one of his greatest. Before before KOD, yeah. Have you seen anyone else live of that kind of caliber? Kanye. Made, he's a top three artist for me. Like, yeah, right. Kanye I've seen live. Um, Coldplay I've seen live. Justin Timberlake I've seen live. I've got a very interesting music artist, Billy Joel. He was actually the ultimate um, entertainer. Uh, I can't remember who I've seen at festivals, to be honest, but there's not a lot of festivals that, uh, oh, no, um, what's it called? R.L. Grime. Uh, he was unreal. Yeah, that would have been sick. He was seriously unreal. Do remember that one. Uh, yeah. What about you? Who, who's your, what's your number one concert? I've only been to a couple. Ocean Alley was really good. They're a smaller, yeah. like, Australian band. They're yep. sick. And uh, Nothing But Thieves. They're an English, uh, what are they? Rock band yeah okay rock pop band yeah really sick both were good and uh i saw them just like weeks apart actually it was pretty sick That's um cool. yeah ocean alley was a wicked vibe so cool and vans and i we were just like sitting up the top and we weren't in the mosh or anything it was all it was all like pretty pretty tame for us but it was sick like yeah, some cool. bangers on there some really good memories so yeah those two they're the only two really i've been to to be honest like not a massive like show guy yeah um, but yeah, I would recommend if you ever get the chance, nothing but thieves and oceanality, both. Yeah. Really, really good. Did you do much speaking of um, Australian music? Did you do much for the, the hottest 100 on the weekend? Are you, no, a, are you a triple J person? No. Yeah, I am. Yeah. I'd be a triple J fan, but honestly I didn't do anything. Um, yeah. I had the guys in the morning and then yeah, just had the radio on for the rest of the day while I was just like hanging out around home. It was honestly like pretty cool. I can't believe that, uh, spoilers. If you, is this like a movie yeah. thing? So you have spoilers. <laughs> if you haven't listened to the playlist. Nah, yet, too but, bad. Through the wiggles. Yeah. Look, it's um interesting. I'm not I hadn't really listened to much Triple J in the past 12 months, if I'm being completely honest. I haven't really listened to much radio, but I was at my sister's and she just had it on and she was filthy. Yeah. Actually filthy. Like the wiggles? What the fuck? Like yeah. Yeah. So each their own. Mixed reviews. I think it's more of like a I wonder if you get a big enough community all voting for the same thing. Like how many votes would that take? to put something up there in like the top 10. I think everyone would have had it in their top 10. Like not everyone, but like a lot of people like, oh yeah, seemed like a pretty okay song. But then like you'd have those, you know, un- really unique artists that wouldn't quite get it across the line. But hey, mm. I don't really know. I'm speculating here. Yeah, no idea. I wonder how many individual voters there are. I'm sure you could find out. I'm sure it'd be on some 
infographic for Triple J. I'm sure. uh, they probably have it on their um their Instagram or something. There's probably some ploy for like like Russia is probably having some some hand in this for some reason. Getting the Wiggles to win it. <laughs> I don't know. China or Russia or something. I don't know, man. You love a conspiracy theory, huh? <laughs> um, yeah, it's but, just really interesting. I oh, don't know. It's very interesting. I'm, I'm, I am curious. I'm curious about all of that sort of stuff, but I'm, I think, um, yeah, I, I don't know that Russia would have any. There you go. Total votes, two and a half million votes submitted. Yeah, right. So is that That's like nice. divided by 10? Because there's 10, you have 10 votes, it's 250,000 people or I wonder? Uh, I'm not too sure. Hmm. Be able to tell you. There you go. Either way, yeah, the Wiggles took it out, which is crazy. Ocean Alley uh, have won a couple of times, I think, maybe, or just once. They had one year where they had a couple in the top ten, which is cool. Confidence, I think, was the one that won it. Yeah, that was. Um, yeah, great tune, and they've got heaps of good tracks now. I don't, I don't know how well they did in the in the countdown. I can't remember to be honest, but yeah, great, really, really good. Speaking yeah, of coming um, back to conspiracy theories, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where are you <laughs> at with you, this? You got any favorites? There's so many. There's oh, literally look, I, one about everything. I think I do enjoy. I do enjoy the, the moon landing one. Like I don't say I believe in it, but I but I think it's hilarious that that. that and then the flat earthers. I'm very curious about about a lot of that, but not really. I haven't really played into it very much. Why? What have you got? You, I'm, you look. You're salivating. I can tell that you've got a couple. <laughs> like five. It's taken us eight episodes to bring up conspiracy theories. Yeah, this is a tunnel. To be honest, man, it's just like funny listening to people that are so confident about something that just like seems insane. You know, like the you've got like the JFK or the 9-11 or like the Nazis like going to Antarctica or whatever after Adolf like supposedly um, killed himself. Yeah, there's so many classics, man. Like what about the alien? Do you think there's aliens on Earth that like contact us? And yeah, what do you think? I heard it. Uh, I can't remember where I heard this, but I heard something recently and, and their opinion was it was something along the lines of they would probably be running unknown tests on us, but they wouldn't be like living with us. As an example, we kind of run tests on other animals, right? Like imagine ants. Right. We're kind of like, oh, we kind of want to understand you, but we're not going to disturb your, the way you live. We're not going to integrate with you. Same with any other animal. We're not, you know, we're not trying to live the way you live and disturb your and take over your planes. Sure. Um, I'm sure obviously there's people that are, you know, we want to build our, um, you know, skyscrapers and they want to burn down Amazon and blah, 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 blah. So it's, it's you know, it's not, it's not a, a sound opinion completely. It does have holes in it, but I think I didn't mind that perspective of like, yeah, what are they going to do? Come here and take us over and, and do what kind of thing uh, to what end? So Look, I think that if there isn't more intelligent life than us out there, they probably know about us, but they're probably just looking at us going, these guys are fucked. So just leave, <laughs> yeah. leave them be. Yeah, I think it's like a pretty common... Uh, I, I'm on the fence. I don't really know. I think it's it's weird to think that we're the only living beings in the universe and the universes if there's multiple, but it's also like, don't know. seems pretty quiet out there, but what do we know? Maybe we just don't have the... Uh, the equipment to be able to the resources yeah yeah possible one, one thing i'm curious about i don't know if we've mentioned this before is like why hasn't why hasn't anyone built a base on the moon to then explore from the moon which i think elon is going to do funny how he always gets brought up but um i think that's a very interesting like look, that could get us x amount of thousand kilometers closer to the next planet or the next discovery 
Right. Um, but yeah, look, I, I think you know if we could we could delve deep into the depths of why are we here and is there other life? But I, you know, I'd be I'd be shocked to think that there is another life. I do believe that there's probably one or more alien civilizations out there that are, um, you know, what is what's even their purpose? And then uh, what to explore us to to take over and and do what? Maybe they planted the vid. Who knows? Maybe they're at the point of where we were, you know, a, bit, a million years ago where it was just, or however many million years ago where it was dinosaurs just roaming the mm. plains and it was just like a game of survival and it wasn't, they're not like contemplating the meaning of life or, uh, you know, mathematics or like their favorite Netflix series or talking about <laughs> conspiracy theories or whatever. Maybe it's just like, it's just animals and it's just like a game of survival. True, like yeah. I think you know, a lot of the conspiracies, a lot of the thought comes from when it comes to aliens, think that they're more intelligent than us, but maybe we are the most intelligent beings, which is scary. Um, yeah, and then there's shame. yeah, you know, send the bar pretty low. <laughs> I think we go okay as a species. I mean, look at what we've done, like with nuclear power and like our civilizations and our cities and our, our uh, like the cars and our transportation and facebook and social media and like how the the fact that we're just like talking over zoom right now is pretty insane like these little pixels are just like flying through space and they're landing in my computer and i can see you and hear you like in real time and and how quick that's all happened like you know in the last hundred years basically the last say 200 years and where has the earth been around for millions so in 200 years it's massive advancements advancements Mm. yeah there's uh lots of theories around how humans that came to be these walking talking like philosophical beings as well whether it was like we stopped there was some kind of like genetic thing where we stopped mm-hmm. growing hair outside and then our bodies started using that protein in our brains which made our brains grow for real which allowed us to have like more neural generation and so we became smarter from that but then there's also theories of like where we found like mushrooms that help with neural generation like whether it be psilocybin or whether it be you know um like shiitake or whether it's like i'm trying to think of what the actual names are there's a few but like psilocybin is one of them where there's Mm. like been lots of studies on that with neural generation and and people with like ptsd and it helps them overcome those things and overcome anxieties and essentially like helps your brain grow and like learn new pathways yeah have you had it lots of theories around that you experienced it not in a macro sense um i microdosed quite a bit well is that psilocybin yeah yeah right and uh yeah and i found a massive benefit like especially when i was doing jujitsu flat out Mm -hmm. and i remember um because learning jujitsu is a tough skill it's like very it's like a level of aggression but then there's all it's like it's like physical chess it's like chess with your body and i'm not like claiming to know a lot about it because i know nothing about it literally like i wasn't belted or anything and i was only doing it for six months or 12 months or something yeah um but even still my experience in it was a really good one and mm. uh and honestly it's like such a an, an eye-opening experience of what you're capable of yeah but then also understanding like just how bad you are <laughs> compared yeah. to others. like people that have been doing it for a long time like i got a good mate who's um even just a blue belt and like and i and that's just like one belt up from white mm. belt and it, i just do not stand a chance like there's no way i could ever compete with him on any level yeah 
So it was like a lot of us just white belts, um, you know, or not even belted at all. And we would just roll and, and do stuff and, you know, and, and practice stuff and watch a lot of YouTube and then bring it to the mats like a couple of times a week and just roll and whatever. And when I was, you would just gradually get better. Like the more reps you put in on the mats, the better you get just kind of naturally. Like you learn how to move your body and where to put their body and what pressure feels like and how to be more calm, especially. That was like one of the biggest learning curves. Yeah. Because you're like essentially in a fight, you know, a fight for your like consciousness. Because literally the other person's either trying to choke you out or like break your arm, essentially. Yeah. So learning how to be calm in that setting was really tough. And that probably took a long three months of like rolling pretty much every day. Mm. But then eventually like you learn the skill and you can calm down. And then you can actually start thinking about what you're doing and the reason why you're doing stuff. Like yeah. if I spin this way or put my weight here, that means that he can't roll me over. Or if I put my foot here, that means he can't move that limb there. And you just like start thinking about things. But early yeah. on, you can't even think about it because you're just so like fighting for your life. And, uh, and everything you do is with as much force as possible and you're super rigid and super stiff, but then eventually you just like kind of calm down. And what yeah. I found to be of benefit to that is actually microdosing. And I remember one distinct, uh, one distinct role where I just took like a, a, like a little microdose and everything was just like hyper clear and I was ultra focused. And I just had like the best role ever. Like I could just, I knew exactly where my body was and where, you know, my opponent's body was and where their pressure was and where I needed to put my pressure relative to them. So I could roll them over or whatever, like, and everything I could think of any, every submission that I wanted to get, I could just get it. Like yeah. it, was, it was pretty insane. And I've mm -hmm. heard that people will do that for like MMA, like the world, the world's best kickboxer, I think microdoses. So it's not yeah, just like okay. these hippies are just like taking mushrooms and like rolling around in the dirt. It's actually like some pretty elite athletes take this stuff. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a pretty crazy benefit. Like the, the ultra focus, the HD vision, like it's all real stuff. I never thought that it would be like that, but it really is. And, uh, and I've never, never macrodosed, like I've never tripped off it. Yeah. I've only ever microdosed, but the benefit from that just seemed pretty profound to be honest. So, so why do you think then that it's not more readily available? I think there's a big stigma around psychedelics. Like, and I'm not, I've only ever done this, like maybe less than 10 times, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I've never macrodosed. Like I've never, I've never tripped off this stuff. Yeah. Um, but I think there's just like a big stigma from maybe the seventies and the eighties, like the war on drugs. Yeah. It just got put in the same basket as like heroin, which is insane. And like yeah, methamphetamines okay. and whatnot. So honestly, it's all just stigma, I think. And uh, the same thing with like marijuana. Like I've never really smoked marijuana, like maybe a few times when I was younger or whatever, but it's like the same kind of thing. It's just like put it in this basket with all these other drugs and whatever affects your consciousness or whatever affects your um, like state of mind is just like put in this negative basket where I honestly don't think that's the same thing. It's the same for every drug. Like alcohol is so readily available, so socially acceptable. Yeah. And honestly, it's like socially unacceptable to not drink. Like you're so pressured to drink all the time. It's like the Australian so, way. Yet that has really no benefit. You know, it like helps people loosen up and maybe converse more easily or whatever. But really, like you wake up feeling like shit the next day. And I don't know, I get like, like still, really still anxious and stuff after drinking. And yeah. yeah, so it's funny, like, 
a couple of points. The, the first one around like you're more socially, con- there's more more social concern when you're not drinking, which is like just bizarre. Like, you know, you got the mate that constantly goes out and gets blind. And he's like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's John. Um, we just accept it. But then, you know, John rocks up and stops drinking. Oh, John, what's going on? Are you okay? It's like, well, no one checked in with him when he was getting hammered every weekend, three times a weekend. Um, it's kind of an odd an odd concept. And I think the other thing around maybe, like you mentioned, marijuana and psilocybin, mushrooms, whatever, is that because they can actually be cultivated at home without any synthetic properties, they're so much harder to regulate. Right. So you can't, if you, if you can't regulate it, you can't tax it. So as an example, like alcohol, cigarettes, blah, 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 they're all taxable because they have to be created. Um, whereas, you know, you can grow weed, you can grow mushrooms. How do you like, how do you stop that? So potentially, yeah, it affects your, your mental state, your, your conscious state. Um, so therefore they want to make sure that people aren't tripping and driving for sure. Um, but yeah, like it, it's, it's quite bizarre, isn't it? It's mm. definitely, it's discussions I've had many times. I've had this discussion many times and I think it's, yeah, there, there's, we're, we're not getting any closer, it seems, to the answer that there are researchers out there doing a lot of their due diligence into trying to get it to those in need, those that, you know, the anxiety medication uh, being, you know, medicinal marijuana and that sort of stuff. I mean, that's becoming a lot more uh, allowed, I guess, in society as, as it goes through each state in America and then um, across other countries. But I'm definitely curious about um, psilocybin and that sort of stuff. There's actually a, an Amazon series called Nine Perfect Strangers. Have you seen that? No. Okay, so it's a, it's quite, I don't, now this is a little bit, maybe a little bit of spoilers, but essentially it's like nine random people that walk up to this um, clinic where they stay for X amount of time or this commune, it's not a commune, but, you know, this lady runs it. Um, and essentially she is microdosing them with psilocybin in a natural way, then drama gets added in because, you know, it wouldn't be a successful TV show without some drama, but it's quite interesting for the concept of these different, you know, different people from different backgrounds. And it's actually becoming in TV series about it, which are, you know, it's got Nicole Kidman and other people that I recognize, but wouldn't tell you their name. So it's got, you know, it's attracting attention. Um, So maybe it is getting closer and we're just, you know, numb to it, but yeah, definitely something I'm, more and more curious about and i've been having discussions with a lot of people around it probably for the past 18 to 24 months so i don't i'm not surprised that by microdosing you become more aware and more alert uh especially in an environment such as you know rolling with someone on the mats where you know your fight or flight response is just engaged straight away and it's so you know you're on you've got to be on and it's like how do you slow that down how do you be calm you know when you watch the ufc and you know all the best guys just have that calmness about them when they are in a compromised position and, and manage to, you know, just strategically think their way around things, which is very much like a chess game, but just with your body. Right. It's, I just want to talk on the consciousness altering thing as well. It's important. Like the most important note that r- when you're drunk, it's completely different. Like you're a lower state of consciousness. Yeah. You know, you can, you can, if you're drunk enough, you can barely get your words out sometimes. Mm. and uh like you can barely stay awake and you're like slurring your words or vomiting or like really unwell or whatever with with microdosing especially and again i can't talk on macrodosing because i just haven't done it but yeah. with microdosing especially it's like a higher state of consciousness where yeah. you're literally smarter you're more switched on like you're more ready to go and, and as you say especially in that kind of environment where it's like a fight or flight and you're literally 
not fighting for your life because the other person's not going to kill you, but it kind of feels like that, you know? Yeah. Um, and you're literally fighting for your health. Like they could choke you unconscious or they could break your arm if you're in a bad enough position and you don't tap and you're not like on enough. Yeah. It's important. 100%. That's a really important note that it's not like, I'm not like shit faced on the mats, you know, like I'm not drunk or whatever. It's like, I'm literally at a higher set of consciousness having taken these things. Yeah. And it's only just one tiny little thing, like whether it's in cap form or whether it's in mushroom form. And I took like a, like a proper mushroom form. So yeah. it's just like one little mushroom. And then I was, yeah, it was pretty insane. Not, mm. not condoning anyone to like go and do it, but there is a stigma around it. And it's, uh, yeah, and I'm sure I'm going to get a few messages about it from probably mum and dad after this to say, you did what? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, I think my folks will, will go, Luke has what? Can we get some? Uh, <laughs> no, no. Um, it's just a, yeah, it's, it's a funny concept, isn't it? That it is so, um, People have such jarring opinions on it, it seems. Oh, no, never. Oh, Or they're open to it. And I think that is ingrained in us from, you know, just the, especially maybe that older generation of like hippie, not hippie-dippie, but like, oh, if you're having anything like that, you are seen to be X rather than, right. again, like the whole world probably needs to do and I definitely need to do a lot of doing your own research, forming your own opinions and not allowing people to or trying to not allow people to influence you with their their um their own ideologies it's actually really kind of topical what we're talking about now with doing your own research mm -hmm. and uh and both of us are fully vaccinated i've had two have you had your booster yet no no booster yet okay so we're both fully vaxxed we at least have two jabs there is a big it seems very um like you're either for it or you're against it. It seems right now, like it's very divisive in that sense, like in terms of getting the vaccine. And, and it seems like people are louder about not getting it than getting it. And, uh, and people that just kind of like, there's a very standard kind of person that um, seems to be against it, I guess. Like, I'm not really sure what well, that looks like or. I don't know. I think for, for me, like, Anything that has been forced on someone, people are going to arc up. If people were forced to not get the vaccine, you're going to hear from the people that want the vaccine. So there's a lot of there's a lot of um, mandates coming out about like, especially I'm not sure specifically in SA, but I know the mandates over here. I'm not a, I'm not a fan of mandates um, when it comes to people's bodies and that sort of stuff. I understand them. I'm not sure I'm a fan. So for example, like you can't um, enter a gym without a vaccine, without being double vaxxed. You can't go to a cafe without being double vaxxed that's coming in place in seven days, all this sort of stuff, which is just like, you know, that's going to force a lot of people to like, okay, so I can't be a fully functioning member of society in this free country um, without conforming to what is being delivered. And my, my greater concern for that comes from the fact that the newest vaccine that has just been approved or is in the process of being approved, the Novavax is the only non-mRNA vaccine so it's more of an older style vaccine and a lot of those people are waiting for that so I, again i don't know what it's like across the country um but it's like you can't bring in these mandates and not afford people the time uh to access exactly what is required now if people are still choosing to not again i still don't believe in the mandate i think it's a i'm, I'm not pro either way i'm pro-choice 
if people want to get it, I'm all for it. If people don't want to get it, I'm all for it. I understand the concept from the government. It's like we need to ease the burden on the, the health system. And I I understand that. Um, but the way I think specifically the WA government's gone about it hasn't been um, completely upfront with the public. Mm. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And I, I've always been pro-choice, if you want to call it that. Like it's your vessel. You can mm. do whatever you want with it really. Like if that's, if that's get a vaccine or if it's not, that's up to you. If that's do drugs or not, or if it's drink or whatever, like do steroids, whatever, that's entirely up to you. As long as it's not affecting someone else, you know, and their well-being, like you can really do whatever you want. If you're like just on the steroids thing, mm. if you're on steroids and claiming that you're not, that's bad. Yeah. You know, you shouldn't do that. Yeah. If you're in a competition with other people that allegedly aren't taking them and you are, then that's bad. But if you're if you're doing anything for your own choice, then that's your choice. Like you can do that as long as it's not taken away from anyone else or like potentially yeah. taking away podium finishes for someone else because you're yeah. on stuff and they're not. Mm. Um, that's where it's kind of an issue. Even if, in my opinion, it's like widely accepted in the sport to do stuff. Like there was that big Lance, uh, Lance, Lance Armstrong. Yeah. Um, like the blood doping stuff. Yeah. Like how could he, and CrossFit's like, it's been talked about forever, at least in the last like, you know, four or five years or something since it's been, since it's been big. Um, And I want to talk about your mate as well. The one that competed on the weekend and what that was like, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I don't know if it's like widely accepted, but how could someone be on stuff and the others not, and everyone's at the same kind of level. It's like, in my opinion, maybe a naive one, but it's like, if you're at the tippy top of that and someone is on stuff and, and the next person isn't yet, they're competing with each other. It's like, how is that possible? Mm. You know, just from what I've heard with how crazy of a benefit being on like Psalms or steroids or testosterone or whatever, like how much yeah. of a benefit that actually is. Yeah. It's pretty crazy to think that someone natural and someone on, on staff can compete with each other and be competitive. It would yeah. be like 99 times out of a hundred, the, the person that's enhanced would win. Um, oh, absolutely. So it's like a pretty weird one, but again, they swear like black and blue that, it's a clean sport and and I hope so, like honestly, um, because there's some freak athletes, like really inspiring stuff, so strong and so fit and uh, and so fast and just like good mm. in every way. Mm. Um, but it's concerning to say the least, like as a big fan of health and fitness and sport, um, I like beg that they're all clean, but who knows? I think my only concern when it comes to CrossFit and, and doping is that they're still, and I'm happy to be corrected. I think I saw something recently about water, but they're still doing their own testing. Yeah, right. And I was like, nah, you, if you want to be taken seriously as a sport in that regards, when people are questioning all this sort of stuff, you've got to get a third party or water, like water, World Anti-Doping Authority to, to do that testing. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm, every year the games come out and someone's been done in teams yeah. or in whatever and they're like i didn't know and that's fine some people may not know that but you know again due diligence you can't just assume you can't just um at that level at that level you can't just uh you know put things in your body and not know um exactly. i've listened to i think it was a podcast with um matt fraser who's the guy who's won four or five in a row or something like that and he kind of said whenever someone put something in front of me i would call the crossfit guy and go, this is the list of things that are in this. Can I have it? Like he, he would always just like, if it was a supplement, if it was even just like medication to heal, 
I've got a cold, whatever it is. And he actually even asked the guy and he's like, how many, how often are you called? And he's like, virtually no one calls me. Yeah. I was going to say that would be for him being so successful. He'd be under the microscope all the time. And he's probably just like learned that he has to do that. Cause I'm sure he's scrutinized all the time. Like oh, for sure. that's one of Marcus Philly's big things. He's next X games competitor yeah, and, uh, and has his own like platform. Now he does his own programming stuff and he's like a great athlete. And, yeah. uh, and I'm not sure how old he is probably like late thirties. Um, he's like 3% body fat, like crazy yeah. freak athlete. And, uh, and he's, he puts it up on his story all the time. Like basically anyone that messages him with the, like the needle emojis or the pill emojis, he puts it out there and like calls them out. It's just like, yeah. I've been doing this for however long decades, you yeah. know, to like, to the, to the percentile, like so, mm. so accurately. And, uh, I don't know if you've ever like experienced what the benefit of doing something to the absolute best of your abilities is, but you can really achieve some crazy, crazy stuff. hundred um, percent. You know, if you're like obsessed with this thing and not, and I think that's the problem. I think the problem is that people aren't obsessed enough to do that stuff so aggressively and so well and so disciplined that yeah. they're just so quick to like throw people that are under the bus and say, no, nah, that has to be drugs. Like yeah. that's the There's mindset. no way. There's just no way. Yeah. And I think that's, it's like a coping mechanism to like close the gap between you as like a regular average person and this person that's just like elite at what they do. Yeah. And, um, and I think it's just like a laziness thing and we're all probably guilty of it. It's like, uh, you know, and I probably just did it before, like, you know, essentially saying that like, well, I didn't say that all CrossFitters are on, on gear, but, um, it's an interesting question. And, uh, and I think that's, yeah, how people kind of close the gap and say, well, you know, I, I eat pretty well and I exercise a fair bit and I don't look like that. That must mm. mean that they're enhanced because that's the only way that could possibly get there. It's like, no, dude, like there's so much possibility for you if you actually put your mind into something and become obsessed with this thing. Like literally anything, whatever you want to do, it doesn't matter whether it's running ultra marathons or whether it's like being really, really lean or like uh, learning yeah, another language or yeah. whatever, literally anything. You just put your mind to it. And you can achieve it. It's like that classic. Like my parents used to tell me that, like, whatever you put your mind to, you can do it. And it's yeah. honestly true. But it's not as simple as just doing that. You have to just be obsessed with it and mm. do this thing day in and day out and yeah. you know, to the best of your ability constantly and not just do it. You know, there's a difference between just doing something and really doing something, like becoming obsessed yeah. with this thing. I understand. I think that's just how. Yeah. That's, yeah. Just, that's just where elite people come from elite in any regards you know the best pianists the best um violinists you know you could pick any musical instrument the best in the world or the best in the world for a reason um and yet i'm probably sure there's probably um supplements and, and all that sort of stuff out there that can improve that but you can't just assume that everyone who is of that you know 10 percent is absolutely guaranteed to be doping there's probably some in there that have you know taken taken shortcuts because they assume that others are, um, but no, there's a re there's a reason we have the best of the best in everything. Like, yeah, it's, it's um, that that mindset of of no, you have to be. You know, there's no way they could be better than me. Is just um, toxic and and yeah, just pathetic in my opinion. I think it's just how you separate yourself from the rest of the pack. And uh, and this could be like in a business mindset or whatever. Like having listened to the Instagram CEO, we talked about that last episode but mm. how you separate yourself from the pack like if you go into something doing things the same way as everyone else and expect a different result mm. if you're not like 
gifted in some way, then that's crazy. You have to go in and do something better, whether that's like the, like the qualitative change or quantitative change. It's what that, um, that study you sent me a, a while ago about the swimmers yeah. and, and the difference between like, uh, what is it? Excellence is mundane. Yeah. And if you're going in training at the same quality and the same quantity and expecting to be superior, then that's not going to happen. Yeah. There's just no way. Like you're training the same way as everyone else. But if you're going in and you might not change the quantity that you're training, but you change the quality of your training. So you get in and just like kind of touching on what we were talking about before with the warm-ups and the cool downs with, with the runs. It's like yeah. we, we maybe aren't training for any longer, but the quality of the training is completely different. Like mm. we're we're warmed up, we're primed and ready to go. We're mobile where we need to be mobile and we're stiff where we need to be stiff. And we go and we do this thing and we know what paces we're going to hit and we're running to a cadence, um, you know, tracker and we're really trying to hit this specific number and, and so on. Like we might be running the same amount as in time as someone else, but they're just kind of going out and it's like an arbitrary number in terms of how far they run and their cadence is all over the place and they're running really poorly and they're like not stiff through their ankles and their strike pattern is really bad and their gait like they're really um, like flat footed or they're like really big arches or their arms are like swinging around their body or whatever. Like there's so many different things that you can do, but just the quality of the training that is the difference. And that's where you'll like achieve great things. It's not mm. so much just like doing more. It's doing the same, but maybe better. Yeah, um, or maybe specific. it is doing more. If you are only running like once a week and you're expecting to run a, a marathon in three months, it's like, uh, maybe you need to increase your, your quantity a little bit. Actually, a little more training for sure. Yeah, you mentioned Instagram CEO. How, uh, how did what have you taken away from uh, last week's chat with Tay? How much of what have you you learned there and what have you applied? I'm curious. Yeah, great chat. Um, yeah, Tay's really switched on. I was, I was stoked to have that conversation with her, and I'm, I'm glad she got the opportunity to talk in long form. I think that's Mm. pretty uncommon on the Instagram platform where you can't talk for like an hour and a half. I don't know how long Instagram lives go for, but it's definitely not that long. And, and it's pretty uncommon for anyone to talk in long form like that. So um, yeah, I was glad to have that conversation with her and allow her to put her personality out there. Cause that's yeah. like a big selling point. I think for anyone that knows Tay in person, it's um, yeah, she's a good chick. So takeaways were consistency on social yeah. media yeah, rather than perfection. Um, but you do want to chase perfection. Like, I think that's an important thing. Like mm. if you're just putting, if you're just constantly putting stuff out there and it's not that good, yep. then your reach is only going to be so far. But if you're putting stuff out there consistently, but then you're actually trying to upgrade the type of content and the quality of the content you're putting out, then that's when people want to start watching and, and they, um, and they'll buy into it. And if yep. you've got a story to tell as well, if you're just putting stuff out there and it's constantly just like destination based as in, this is what I've done. This is what I've done. This is what I've done. And not mm. so much about this is what, where my starting point was. And this was where, what I achieved. And this was the road that I took in order to get to that end point. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're documenting that stuff, people love that stuff. I love that stuff. I'm sure you do as well. Like yeah, knowing sure. the story behind it. Um, they were two big takeaways for me. And, and I've started implement, implementing some of that stuff. And, and even if, I'm not putting stuff down on paper. I'm definitely thinking about like schedules of posts and what I'm going to put up and the types of content I want to put out there and who I actually am perceived as mm. on social media. Um, because again, I said this maybe in the last couple, but the perception of what you put out there and how it's received is pretty different 
I think. Like what you think you're putting out there and how you're perceived could be very, very different from one yeah. another. Yeah. But I think it's important you just like constantly put stuff out there that is in line with your values and your morals. And then people understand exactly who you are, ideally. Yeah, 100%. What did you think? I think it was great. Like, I, you know, having no idea who she is, it was, it was really cool to come from a fresh perspective and just maybe ask some questions that for those that didn't know who she was as well. Um, I think it's really cool to see the, the, the grind side of it, like for want of a better phrase. Like, I think it's a, definitely a useful tool for, for business standpoints, Instagram. Uh, it's definitely from a personal perspective, I think it's a big time waster, but it, you, when used effectively and correctly, it's obviously massive. I was chatting to a mate yesterday kind of around Instagram and I think, you know, it's all people are moving on to that TikTok thing and it was interesting to hear how Tate already moved on there and, you know, already got a massive following there. But it's, it's um, yeah, branding consists, like it's like with anything, consistency is everything. I think you're right. Like in, in the pursuit of, in pursuit of perfection, you need to be consistent. You can't just always wait for perfection because you won't get that traction. So, um, you know, we almost almost recorded this on a different day to today because of busy schedules. But um, we were like, no, that's, you know, my, myself was definitely the goal is to keep these on Mondays. And that was probably a big part of it of just, you know, getting that insight from, from Tane, just making sure, you know, be reliable, be consistent. Um, it was great to just pick her brain on the, on the, not necessarily the algorithm side of it, but understanding like, cool, this is how you get to the, this is how you get in front of more people. And then that's how you get in front of more people. And that's how you get brands interacting. And this is, it was a good starting point to learn, I think. And I, I've spoken to some people since they've listened to it and been like, oh, it's actually quite handy and useful information. So uh, maybe we'll either get her back on or, or search for more um, influencers that um, can help us out uh, or help out the listeners to kind of give that that traction and that back end of like, oh, what does branding look like? You know, if you if there's a, there are people listening to this that want to be using utilizing social media as a tool, um, what's the best way to go about it, and that sort of stuff. And you know, my not having social media, not having Instagram, not having Facebook, but um, my brain gets ticking for yourself and like what you're trying to create. And I definitely have ideas, and we'll probably have to catch up when I'm back as to my thoughts and and plans for yourself and how that can be implemented maybe more effectively or just like slight tweaks or whatever it is because you know we're, we're in a similar brain space of uh, wanting to help people when it comes to their own health and fitness and what does that look like from a male's perspective because you know female uh the, the female a female instagram influences social media platform will look vastly different to yours um you know because you're trying to you've got to appeal to a different um potentially the same people probably still appealing to males um but you're trying to get them on a on a different on a different wavelength i guess yeah it's important knowing what your what your end goal is but who your target audience is and for the longest time i thought bigger the reach more success but really Mm. it's not like that you actually have to be very specific with who you're targeting this stuff to and yeah it's not about getting as many likes as possible sometimes it's um especially if you're trying to sell something you know, it's not so much about the amount of likes, it's the quality of the likes or the quality of the leads, yeah. um, which essentially almost, almost the like leads. the same thing. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and ideally, like everyone on your Instagram is in that funnel to buy, but that's not the case. You know, mm-hmm. there's so many people in there from like from school and old like uni friends and whatever, they, they don't want to buy off of you. So 
um, you know, making content that's relevant for people that do want to buy from you. If, if your goal is selling something or if it's just like a social presence, then great. Like put stuff out there that people actually want to see. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was a big takeaway. I'm not, yeah. I'm not taking social media too seriously, but I do understand it and see it as a very valuable business tool. I think um, the biggest thing is having, yeah, having that end goal is like, like you say, you're not taking it too seriously. I think what Tay definitely identified is that, no, this is my platform for income. So this is my job. So yes, it will take me time. It will, it will take me more investment to create that content because this is my main source of income. And if it's not that, or it's, um, if that's not your end goal, well, you're not going to put that in. Um, you're far less likely to be accountable to that. It's like, well, I've got, you know, my other revenue stream coming in and that's going to be where I get my income. And I don't really need to put all my eggs in one basket because I don't, I don't want it to be that. Um, whereas it sound, by the sounds of it for her, it's like, no, I'm, I'm going to head down that way. Um, it's going to be amazing and I'm going to invest the time, energy and, and finance into getting it to be that. Yeah, I wish more people had the opportunity to dive into something that they want to do. Mm. Um, but not everyone has the opportunity. I think they have to like tick the box of the nine to five and make their like $850 a week. And, you know, so they can pay the mortgage and pay the bills and like do all that stuff. And, and, uh, and I think like, especially out of the two of us, I think I'm pretty, I'm, I mean, I'm sure you love your job, no doubt, but I think I'm, I was in more of a position to be able to like dive headfirst into something and do something that I really wanted to do. And not saying that you can't do that, and that you won't do that in the future. But um, right now, it's just like kind of the, one of our main differences, I think, is that you you work a lot and I don't work that much. So I can yeah. just kind of like do what I want in a way yeah. outside of my work hours, um, which are picking up and it's um, it's this S&C stuff and it's like developing my own online um, content and like funnels of selling and whatnot and then owning the gym and then owning multiple gyms ideally in the next couple of years and and, uh, and again, not saying that you won't do that. You won't chase like your end goal at some point, that big, hairy, audacious goal. Um, but right now, it just seems like that's kind of where we're pretty different. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, 100%. On that yeah, then, how's, how is our, our YouTube channel coming along? Um, yeah, lots of thought is going into it. Yeah. And, and I, it's just like this sticking. And I don't want to just be on here like talking about how well we're doing and we're doing all these things and we're like working towards these goals because honestly, like... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit stuck with it mm-hmm. in that and kind of going against what we were just talking about, but I want to be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, there's been lots of thought. And I think what I'm struggling with the most is like, I, I'm, a, I'm a genuine dude, I think. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I want it to be genuine, but yeah. I feel like it's, that would be boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um because i'm not that exciting to be honest like i just i just put my head down and like do stuff like this year is the year for me to do stuff and that's the podcast and that's like really take social media a little more seriously and and i said the youtube and i still will at some point but it's mm-hmm. like i want it to be good that's it's different for some reason it's different to start the youtube than it is start a podcast I'm not sure why I think because maybe you're holding me accountable. That's one point. And maybe like just how visually pleasing YouTube can be. It's like yeah. hyper aesthetic, you know, and, and the capture, you have to be so on to be able to do it really effectively. Yeah. Whereas with this, it's like you and I can just talk and, and we're both on the same page with it. 
and uh and it's just like coffee catch-ups and that's like that's our thing we've done that for the last however long like year or whatever mm. um whereas with that it just feels different it feels harder to start like the stone's a little bigger and i'm kind yeah. of pushing it uphill to get that momentum yeah. to start and uh maybe it's just like a bigger barrier to entry in like the type of um technology i need in order to start and like the youtube's already set and ready to go i could honestly yeah. like i even have two episodes recorded but i went back and i watched them i was like no nah, not good enough and just like scrapped them and, and want to do them again whereas with this it's different because it's like long-form conversation and and i haven't said anything that i don't fully believe in and yeah. i'm sure that you're the same whereas with that i feel like if i was to put stuff out there that i think would capture an audience it might not be as genuine as what this is do you know what i mean yeah i think that's you know going back to what um tay tay's like like you said in that uh, last week you basically said the person you put out and the person that i know are two different people and i think that's part of you know the downfall of social media youtube whatever but you do need like it depends on what, what route you want to go do you want to be 100 percent raw genuine in which case you, you're opening yourself up to a lot of vulnerabilities and you've got to clearly define the line of what's private and what's public um or do you go cool i'm just literally producing this this is all that's going on this channel blah blah blah, blah. so that's that's just probably maybe an internal discussion um but i'm definitely keen to to catch up and maybe see how big that rock is and see if i can help you push it uphill because i'm i am keen to see it grow and I know that it will. And I know that accountability is something that definitely you need. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm keen to, I'm I'm keen aware to of that. see it. For sure. Yeah, I'm not like, there's no shame. I don't feel shame no. at all, you know? And I thought I would feel more shame because there's so many podcasts, you know? And it's like, yeah. it, just, it's like it just seems like there is this big, this big, against. I'm going to use the word stigma. It's not really a stigma, but it does, does feel like there's so much out there that people are like, oh, another one. We're really, again, being the year of just doing stuff, I felt it was important just to start, you mm. know, and, and when you gave me the opportunity to be part of it, I was like, yeah, like, why not? Why wouldn't I do something like that? Um, it doesn't take a lot of time out of our week. Uh, you know, we talk about it every couple of days and we jump on here for a couple of hours on a Monday and, and that's really it. Like you do a lot of the editing stuff and hopefully that doesn't take too long. But with the YouTube, I feel like it's a bigger commitment and doing it yeah. solo and being a bigger commitment yeah it just seemed like right now is not the perfect time not to say that i won't do it very very soon but yeah it's a yeah it's a tougher one to get started for sure for sure i hear that man um what i am keen to hear more about is next week we have another guest on uh and here i've just confirmed with him earlier he actually runs his own, um, which is one of the topics we spoke about today, um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu um, gyms. Are they called gyms? Um, clubs? Don't know. Uh, and he, I've known him for actually quite a while. Uh, and then our um, paths left each other. We worked together briefly. Uh, and then our paths left and we've actually met back up, which is really cool. And then outside of owning that, he actually works in the crypto space. So um, two topics that we're probably quite Sick. heavily... Uh, intrigued about so i'm curious to see how much time we've got to allow for next week that could be quite a long conversation with a bit of meat on it um especially when it comes to um you know the, the latest uh nft craze for those that are in that space and i still have no idea and i still don't completely understand it i think it's 
kind of silly that someone can own a, a digital image. Um, but I'm sure he'll enlighten us. Um, tell us what's happening with Bitcoin at the moment and it's and it's massive crash, which is kind of ideal because um, if there was ever a time people were coming to money, it's probably a good time to jump into some Bitcoin and not financial advice. Uh, <laughs> I'm taking that on board and I'm putting my life savings into it. <laughs> Thanks, uh, but I'm actually really pumped to get him on board and, and have a really um, in-depth chat about those two big passions of his um, and just maybe get some feedback from people if we get any questions through the week that people are wanting to know more about, maybe how to get involved in it or... or um, yeah, what it actually all means. But I think uh, that's that's due next week. It's going to be awesome. I'm keen. Yeah, two of my uh, passions. I haven't I haven't done jujitsu in a little while, probably a year. Um, but crypto is something I check pretty much every day and cry yeah. right now. <laughs> <laughs> At one point I was like, yeah. Um, but now it's, uh, yeah. It is. Pretty hard. No, it'll be good. It'll be really good. It was good to catch up, man. Um, yeah, man. You looking too. forward to touch base and uh, hopefully see you in person in a couple of days uh see you in, in the SA. flesh but um you mean in SA? i'm not coming yeah. over yeah man you're not coming over no, you're not allowed mate no one's allowed they've actually got um it's only a one-way fence now you can't come in it's just they'll let people out you just can't come in but we won't get into that we'll wrap it up good yeah, to chat not. bro all right man see you soon